0: Aloha and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Carl Moore is back as our guest speaker with a message entitled, Purchased for a Price. It will be in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 7. And now, here's Pastor Carl. We're back in Ephesians and we're again walking through it just a few verses at a time just to totally dig deep into what it has to say for us. Um, You can skim through the book and go through it all in a couple weeks and get some good stuff or you can just really take it apart verse by verse and that's kind of where we're at this morning. The title of today's teaching is Purchased for a Price and um, I'll tell you what that has to do with. God bought us for a price, right? He paid with the very death of his son Jesus on the cross for us. But lately in in my ministry and life and just counseling different people, and especially youth because I'm the youth pastor, so talking to high school kids, they've been dealing a lot with the struggles that they have in their life, the temptations that they face. Some of them um, as young as freshmen who are dealing with addiction to cocaine and kids who are dealing with um, guilt and shame from things that they've done in the past and the temptation of thinking I'm just a bad person and all this. I just, I feel dry, I don't feel close to God, and I want God just to come in and take it all away. And so my question to them is, well, what are you doing to seek the Lord that would want to make Him come and answer your prayers and do this? Oh, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, what I'm saying is, are you really pressing into Him? Are you reading your Bible? Well, I read it once a couple weeks ago, like, and you're wondering why God isn't blessing you, you know? And they're going, well, yeah, I just, I'm waiting, you know, I prayed and nothing's happening. I'm like, well, you're, prayed, you're praying, but what do you have driving you behind you to say, God, I really want you. I'm searching for you. Or are you just saying, well, I hope magic happens in my life and I'm just suddenly cured and healed. And that's the kind of the, the place where a lot of the kids are at is like they come and they ask for me to pray for them. But I don't have any prayer. I don't have any power inside of me to meet any of their needs. Right. I can only go and ask the father. For them on behalf of them intercessory prayer interceding for someone else but really it all depends on that personal relationship with with that person and with Jesus Christ and what we're talking about today is that God paid this huge price for us he said you know mankind walked away from me in the garden of Eden when they said I'd rather be as smart as God by going and eating this forbidden fruit and sure it's in direct violation of what God wants for me but I want to go do it my way when that happened Adam and Eve sinned they walked away from God God says, humanity, mankind, I created them for me, but they don't belong to me anymore. They're now in slavery to sin. And now we live over this way saying, oh, I'm just gonna follow this train of thought and please myself and live for myself. And the Bible says that before Jesus came into our lives, we were in bondage to sin, that we belonged to sin. We were the slaves and sin was our master. And God said, but I love those people so much. I love them so much. I created them to have relationship with them. How can I get them back? How can I buy them back? And so that's where he came up with the idea, well, the one thing that I have that is my most true possession, Jesus Christ. I guess I have to pay that ultimate price just so I can love those people and have a relationship again with them. So he, here's, here's God saying, you guys don't deserve it. There's nothing you did to deserve it. But just because my grace, my undeserved favor for you, because I love you, I like you, just who you are, I'm going to pay this huge sacrifice and I'm going to send my son to die on the cross. But now it comes back on us. It comes back on us saying, wow, God did this awesome thing to enter into a relationship with us. How are we investing back in that relationship? How are we going to be like those kids who are just saying, well, what's going on? How come God's not just blessing, blessing, blessing me? But we can actually say, no, no, it's not about him just coming and just serve, serve, serve me. But how can I invest in this relationship? Because all relationships are two ways, right? Even in the Bible, Jesus calls himself the bridegroom and we are the bride. So there's a relationship. He uses the marriage analogy. You know, like if... If you're someone that's planning on getting married, or you guys can remember, especially the guys, yeah, when, when you were planning on getting married and you found the right one, you found, oh, that's, that's my sweetheart, you know, the rest of my life, I, wanna, like, I want her hand in marriage and I want to just please her, I want to give her all my love, I want to live forever with her and do this and that and do nice things for her, and you're so in love with this girl and you're hoping that she's going to say yes when you propose, right? You get the ring and everything and you're pretty sure but you're still a little worried like what if she says no you know I love her I want to give all this stuff to her I have this plans for but oh she might still say no so you're kind of nervous about it you pop the question and she says yes and you yeah you're so happy you get around to the marriage ceremony the wedding ceremony right and you show up and you say the I do's and it's just oh it's the best day of your life and everything but that right there if you stop right there that's not a relationship right that just means you got to the point where you're in the relationship but if you just then go home and kick back and just say, well, it's time for me to be a couch potato and my wife just better serve me, cook for me, have my kids, you know, do all of this stuff, pick out my clothes in the morning, you know, all of this stuff, then that's not a relationship, right? You entered into this awesome relationship on that wedding day, but that was just the start. And if you just sit back afterwards and expect to be served, after a while your wife's going to be like, well, you know what, I'm not even going to, I don't want to serve you. you no, know, I, I, I want to and I want to give all this love, but if you're not showing sure anything in return... There's, there's nothing really to our relationship. We're married, but we got nothing. And so it is with Jesus Christ. You enter into a relationship and a lot of us get to the point where, yeah, I'm saved and I'm excited on the Lord and then I'm just going to cruise and why isn't he answering all my prayers? Why isn't he blessing me? Why isn't he helping me with these addictions or this pain or this guilt or this suffering? And he's, you know, he's supposed to answer all my needs. And there's a part of us that needs to realize that God's calling us to invest back in the relationship. That He says, hey, I sent my one and only son to die for you. Do you realize that? Did you see the movie, The Passion of the Christ? Did you see what I allowed my son, the co-creator of the universe, to go through just for you? Because I wanted to have a relationship with you. So what are you going to put back into the relationship? How are you going to invest in the relationship? And that's kind of what we're, we're getting at today as we go through um, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're in verses 7 through 10. Just a few verses, but some heavy verses. It says in verse seven, he is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. He purchased our freedom, our freedom and we're forgiven. Two different things, freedom and forgiven. First thing is that he purchased our freedom is the word redeemed. Redeemed means deliverance by payment of a price. It doesn't mean that something's just given or whatever. Is it, remember that God sure salvation was a free gift to us, but he had to pay something. He had to pay his son. See, I'm going to be going on vacation in a couple weeks. We're going to a pastor's convention. And Jeff and some of us are all going up to San Francisco. And we're going to kind of tie that time in with our vacation time to do some stuff. But I've been on, online lately trying to check prices for airfare and, you know, rent-a-cars and a hotel and all of this stuff. And so, so what happens is you would like to purchase, you would like to own a free trip. And it's not free. You would like to own a trip on an airplane to the mainland and the trip back, right? Round trip, airfare. You would like to own the time, the use of a rent-a-car for seven days or whatever so you can go around and do all this stuff. You would like to own four nights in a hotel or something like that, you know? The thing is, you're online and I'm looking all around and stuff and I have to punch in my credit card numbers in order to make some type of payment so I can redeem that. See, I can show up to the airport and say, okay, where's my ticket? And they go, hey, you didn't pay anything, you know, sorry, no tickets for you. You know, does, none of these, these rides to the mainland, none of that belongs to you. But if I had already paid the price, put my, you know, typed my stuff into the computer, paid my credit card payment, I can show up and I can redeem my, my trip to the mainland. I can redeem my stay at a hotel, my rent-a-car or whatever. That's what they tell you. Come and redeem your tickets at the ticket counter. The reason I can redeem them is because I already paid something. And what God's trying to tell us here is, remember that I paid something heavy for you. This wasn't just like, oh yeah, this is how the plan all worked out and it's cool, we get to be friends now. But God said, I paid a heavy price because I really do love you. And so I want you to realize that in this relationship, if I invested this in the relationship, what are you going to invest in that relationship back again? And John 8, 36 the scripture there says, so if the sun sets you free, you will indeed be, indeed be free. You know, it's that song that we sing. If the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. And what that's saying is that if the Son of God says that I gave my life for you, I, gave all of, I put aside all of my godliness to come down and be a human, I am the Son of God, the co-creator of the universe, and I say that I'm going to die for you so that you can be free, well, then you better believe that you are free indeed. And that doesn't just mean, oh, free from, from what? From bad things. No, no, no. God says, you are free indeed. You're free from the slavery to sin. You don't have to live in that slavery anymore. You're not in chains going, this is the best my life can ever be. I can just live for myself and that's all there is to this life, you know? But you're free from that saying, your old sinful nature that you had, all the, the thoughts, all the things that you used to do is simply that now. It's your old nature. It's old. That's a thing of the past. You may still get tempted with the sinful nature, but you don't have to live in that. You're not a bondage to it. That's that's a thing of the past. You're free. You're set free in Jesus Christ to live for Him. So He set us free from from the slavery of sin. He set us free from the law, the Old Testament law, which was all about I better obey the rules or God's going to punish me. And now it becomes not about rules, but the other R word, relationship. I'm going to obey these rules and these commandments from God because He loves me and He knows what's best for my life. And I want to please Him. So it's not about I'm scared that he's going to punish me or this or that, but when God tells me to do something, I know that's a good thing for my life because he loves me. So I I want to do those things. You become in a relationship. You're free from the law, and you're now in this loving relationship. And the last thing that you're free from, you're free indeed, is the fear of death. Is that when you become a Christian, you're you're not stuck thinking this is all this life has to offer. Now you're like, you know what? If I die, it's going to be sad. My, my, my friends and my family, they'll, they'll mourn for me, and it's going to be a little bit of a separation, but heaven is my home now, so I'm just going home. You guys ever went to Christian funerals? Real different from funerals where people don't know the Lord. The good thing that you always hear is that, oh, I'm, I'm so sad, I'm going to miss Auntie and this and that, but she went home to be with the Lord. That's the repeating phrase you hear at all Christian funerals. Oh they went home. It's okay. I'm sad, but, you know, when my time comes, I'll get to go home too, and I'll see him again. And see, that we don't have fear of death anymore. You know, there's no, I fear pain. I don't want a painful death. But if I got to go, I got to go. And I'm going to go home and be with the Lord. And I know my family will be there with me someday. So it's okay. I don't have a fear of death. See, when Christ died, he said, you're free indeed. I've set you free. And then it goes on and it says, says that our sins are forgiven. And then in Hebrews 10, 17, the verse there says, God not only tells us that you're forgiven, but in Hebrews ten seventeen, this is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds he says not only did i forgive you but i forgot about it already you got clean slate with me and our problem is we hold on to the sins because we remember them and god goes hey i told you i forgave you of that don't even think about that stuff anymore oh my god i'm, I'm so bad i'm, I'm such a, a terrible person i'm this i'm that i'm weak i'm i'm not smart and god's going what are you talking about i forgave all of that stuff i forgave all the guilt you've ever done you have the freedom now to live for me I don't even remember what you're talking about here. And it's up to us now to choose. I'm not going to remember that stuff either. I don't have to give in to those those thoughts and those lies from the enemy saying, that's just how I am because that's how it used to be. Again, God set me free. That's the old nature. So God, it says right in this first verse, he's purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. Those two big things he did for us, freedom and forgiveness. But remember this, they came at a heavy, terrible price to God. You know, every time you see the cross, it's remembering, wow, that's a price that God paid. That his son went down to earth, got crucified, got brutally beaten and murdered so that he could have a relationship with us. So when we remember that, that he paid a heavy price, it comes back now on us to say, God, how are we going to invest back in your life? How are we going to invest in this relationship with you? You did that for us. What can we do for you? And part of it is that We need to realize that because God's ways are contrary to the world's ways, that Christians are supposed to live counterculture. right? We're supposed to be different. We should be feeling a little uncomfortable living in this world. I, I look at it this way. If you're a Christian and your life is just too easy and it's too easy to live in the world around you and you're so comfortable and it's no big deal, something is wrong because God said Christians are supposed to live opposite of the way of the world that God's ways are higher than man's ways, that there's a big difference, that we're, we're opposite of what the world thinks is good and cool and, and good and happiness for us, that God's ways are different. It means that sometimes we have to go to work and what everyone else is talking about is like, I'm a little uncomfortable because that's not the morals that I have and what I believe in. And you know what? Sometimes going to church, I'm here and I'm worshiping and by the world's standards, it's kind of weird to raise your hands and close your eyes. What's that all about? But you know what? I'm investing in God. I'm investing in Him. So I'm going to be a little uncomfortable by what the world thinks is the, the status quo or the norm or what's cool or comfortable. And so what I want to talk about today is I just want to just hit on some everyday points of how you ought to be investing in God investing in that relationship, that two-way relationship, and how it's going to maybe make you feel a little uncomfortable to be in the world, but it's going to make you so comfortable with God and He's going to bless your life. You know, John 10, 10, tells us that he wants to give us life to the fullest. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. But Jesus goes, no, I came to give you life to the fullest. And that's just like in that that marriage relationship. You can get married and have like a so-so marriage or a lame marriage. But if you want to invest back into that marriage, you want to do things for your spouse so they can do things for you and you're in it together, you're going to have marriage to the fullest. You know, it's the same thing with God. He wants to give you life to the fullest. So let's just go through some of the things that would say, yeah, living for God is uncomfortable, but man, they sure pay off because I'm investing in Him. So here's, I'm just going to go through some practical things. One thing, church attendance. I know that when Sundays roll around and it's a beautiful day and you're thinking, ooh, the beach would be really nice today. You know, or when football season comes back around and there's there's football games on when you should be at church or mini church, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be a good one. It's my favorite. And God's going, hey, are you gonna invest in the relationship with me, or are you not gonna invest in that with me? And we kind of go, oh, practical things in our life. What things make you feel a little uncomfortable by the world standards, but man, it's sure you're gonna pay off in that relationship with God. You know, there's there's times in my life when it's like, I just don't feel like going to church tonight, God. There's just, I just feel like cruising, or I want to watch TV. Or, God, the Friends finale is on, you know, and there's mini church, but Friends, God, it's the last one, you know. And, and God's just going, okay, are you going to invest in this relationship or not? Are you just going to sit on the side and do your own thing and expect me to come and do all of this love and blessing on you, or are you going to invest in it? Oh, yeah, you're right, God. Practical application. How can we invest back in the relationship? Show up at church. Go. Make sure you're getting fed any relationship you have to have communication you have to hang out with that person to get to know them better well when we go to church we're hanging out with god we're hanging out with god's people we're investing time in getting to know him better another thing as we talked about this morning is tithing you know we took the tithes and offerings this morning and by the world standards again your friends at work will tell you what you give 10% of your income to someone else to a church what are you crazy well, again, by the world's standards, that's pretty uncomfortable, just giving away money. But by God's standards, he's going, but you're investing it in me. And didn't I promise you to even try me at this, to test it in Malachi 3.3? The only place I've ever said to test me is by giving money. And, and I promise you that I'll bless you so abundantly that you won't have any room to store all the blessings that I give you in your life. Oh, well, yeah, God, I want to invest in that. I don't care if I look weird in the world standards and people talk about me as giving away my money. That's all right, God, because I'm investing and you pour back into my life. We talked about worshiping. You come to church to worship. It's uh, It's not just to kind of prepare us and get us settled down for the teaching or it's something just to kill time or, oh, it makes us happy to sing. No, worshiping, God desires worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. That you don't just come and you sing songs like around a campfire, like, Kumbaya, you know, we're not just like, happy, making feel-good, warm fuzzies. We're literally meeting with God. We're worshiping Him. We're giving value to Him. So when we come to worship, we say, ooh, church is at 8 o'clock. I better get there right at 8 o'clock. You know what? I might want to get there early so I can get a seat up front because I want to be in the presence. I want to feel the anointing today. I want to invest in this relationship with God. I'm going to get there early, and I'm going to sing. I'm not going to care if my voice sounds really bad and people around me are kind of like, you know, moving away so they can hear. I don't care. God loves it. So I'm just going to get into worship. But again, by the world standards, it's kind of uncomfortable. Wait, you guys go around and you sing, and what's with the lifting of your hands? That's weird. You close your eyes. I saw someone kneeling. What's going on with that? Sure, the world standard says that's pretty weird and uncomfortable. But for God's standards, you're investing in that relationship, and he's going to bless you. He promises to do that for you. How about just fellowship at many churches and being open? When people, true fellowship is really saying, I'm part of a family. I'm going to open up my needs and my heart, and people are going to be able to open up back to me. I know for guys, that's really hard, yeah? For guys to, to be able to open up. You know, I go to things with my wife for like our kids at elementary school and I go to like the birthday parties or I go to the school functions or something. And You know, you get there and the kids are all playing and the wives are like, Billy! you know, they just like, they don't even know each other. They just walked up to each other and started going and here's all the guys like, oh, uh, uh, checking out the camera. Is the film okay? You know, the camera's good. Like, you no, know, all of the guys are just like all around the edges like, 10 feet distance from one another because we don't want to like open up. We don't want to talk and we don't want to share. We're just not like that. But God's going, yeah, I've created you to have fellowship. I've created this mini church thing at your church so you can go and you can open up because when you open up and get close to people, don't worry, they're not going to point and laugh. They're not going to go home and write that. Ooh, that's a good one. I can't believe that guy's such a sinner. You know, They're not going to say that kind of stuff. God says, I want you to fellowship with each other because you watch how surprised you'll be when you do open up. It makes you feel uncomfortable by world standards, but again, you're investing in me and watch how these people are going to come into your life and love you. Watch how they're going to encourage you. Watch how they're going to take all your mistakes and they're going to help you solve them. They're going to go to God with you because they support you and they love you. It's going to make you uncomfortable by world standards, but again, hey God, I'm investing in you. Some of the things we just do with our mouth at work or school or whatever, swearing, the dirty jokes. The, the Bible calls it coarse jesting. You know the stuff you talk about, the subject matter, when everybody's around on break and the guys are like, "Oh yeah, I was with this girl last night," and blah 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 blah. And you know it's like, ooh, you know what? God calls me not to put this stuff into my head, not to talk about this stuff. I got to invest in that relationship, and it's uncomfortable because you got to go. Uh, well, I gotta, I gotta go, guys. You know, I gotta get back to work or something like that. It's kind of awkward. It's uncomfortable, but God's going. I'm gonna bless you for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bless you for honoring me and for holding to, to keeping pure thoughts and words and watching your tongue and keeping, keeping your mind clear and pure. You know, the, the movies that we watch, the TV shows that sometimes we watch. You know, TV, we, a lot of times we just think, oh, if it made it on TV, then it's okay, because it's not like an R-rated movie, but it's cool if it's on TV, I can watch anything on TV. But we all know there's a bunch of stuff out there that we're just feeding fantasies in our mind or we're feeding rage or anger or, or gossip. And some of those shows, it's like, oh, even though it's just TV, we think it's cool i got to turn the channel. i got to maybe go read a book instead or, or watch something better. Um, what about websites? It's so easy. Anything is available on the Internet nowadays. Anything. And we know it too well. And God's going, hey, I want you to keep your, your eyes pure. I want you to not have those thoughts bouncing around in your head, those things that are going to cause you to feel guilt and shame and sin and fantasy and things that are not of what I created for you. I don't want you to look at that stuff. Watch, watch out for the books you read. The magazines you look at, you know, especially, you know, when when you have to describe a magazine as a magazine you look at and not read. You know, you guys know what I'm saying? Like some magazines you read and some magazines have foldouts that you look at. And guys, we got to watch out for that kind of stuff because the way the world standards is, oh, that's cool. It's okay, Pass them around at work. Check them out. And God's going, no, no, invest in me. Don't invest in that stuff. You're going to feel uncomfortable in the world, but it's going to be worth it. You're pouring into my relationship. What are other things? Listening to music. Sometimes the music we've got to watch. Um, not having certain friendships be the kind of friendships that are so close to us. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. That means we're supposed to be a light in the world. We're supposed to be able to have friends with all the people out there that need to know Jesus. But we're not supposed to take them in such close confidence that they're going to start rubbing off on us and dragging us away from that relationship with God. We're always supposed to be the one that is rubbing off on them and shining the light for them, being the salt and the light in their lives. And, and Proverbs says that bad company corrupts good character. You could be a good Christian, and you start hanging out with the wrong people enough and bring them close enough to you that they matter to you so much and that they're going to start rubbing off on you, and your good character will get corrupted. And so God's not saying, drop all your non-Christian friends and just be a little christian hermit and hide in the cave you know and with your bible or whatever god's saying we're in this world but we're not of it we realize that we're here but heaven is our home that god is the one that we have relationship with and so sometimes saying these friends over here versus this friendship relationship with god god in order to get closer to you i got to kind of pull a little bit away from these guys i still want to be there to witness to them and and live for you god god but I don't want to go so far this way that I get dragged down away from you into their world. And so we got to watch the relationships. But how uncomfortable is it for you to be a Christian? It should be a little uncomfortable to live in this world. How about just um, God's plan for sex in marriage? It's hard to be a single today. I, I have to counsel lots of high school kids, right? Raging hormones and all that's going on and the stuff that they watch on TV, the movies that they watch, the music they listen to, the way the girls dress, you know, and you're like a, a young teenage guy at the peak of your, your chemical hormone. Ah, you know, and there's all these girls walking around and, you know, barely anything. And it's tough. It's tough to maintain purity. But God goes, if you do, if you follow it my way, I promise you it's going to be so much better. I promise you my plan is for one man And one woman having sex only in marriage, and that's it. Anything outside of that, God says is wrong. And the reason he says it's wrong isn't just to say, I'm just going to be mean to you and make you guys, you know, tear out your hair because you can't do it. No, I'm saying that this way is the only way because this is the only way where you're not going to have to deal with guilt or shame or giving your heart out or having your heart stepped on and broken our risk diseases, risk unwanted pregnancies, abortion, all of these bad things. God goes, you do it my way, you invest in this relationship with me and my plan for you. I promise you it's the best way. Life to the fullest, not life just for ourselves. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe.